This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm interviewing my healer, intuitive psychotherapist, author, and glass artist, Lisa Tahir. Hello, I'm here with Lisa Tahir to talk about her amazing book, The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. Lisa is my counselor, my spiritual mother, my colleague, my friend. Thank you so much for being here, Lisa. Nikki, it's my honor and pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Emotional Badass is a favorite podcast of mine that I often share on my podcast to let listeners know to, to come to you. Oh, well, I share yours too. I didn't say it as I introduced you, but you are the host and creator of All Things Therapy, a weekly podcast that airs every Thursday. You have people on all forms of therapy. It's one of the things I love about your show. So thank you for promoting Emotional Badass. I feel honored to promote All Things Therapy. This is awesome. It's co-creation at its best. Yay, it is. It is. So the fun thing for me as your life student has been to watch you progress and do things that you weren't doing when I first met you. And that has been as therapeutic for me in my journey as the stuff that we've talked about that's supposed to be the therapeutic stuff. (laughs) So it was really cool for me to see what inspired you. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to first write this book? Sure. And Nikki, I think this is a great departure point because there's kind of a a perception about therapy, about healing, that the practitioner holds all of this knowledge or the key to our healing. And what you just shared really speaks to the dynamic nature of of a therapeutic relationship, of a healing relationship, of what healing is even about. And an author that I love, Judith Herman, and her book, Trauma and Recovery, which I source in my book, talks about how 
because trauma happens in the context of a relationship, it's often someone a person knows that that hurts them. It's through relationships that we heal. And like you've seen me change and grow since we met so many years ago in New Orleans, I likewise have seen you change and grow. And it's like really inspiring. You're inspiring to me. You know, I've heard you say, I inspire you. And so I think for our listeners to know, it's really what I think life is about, where we find such deep meaning and purpose is learning from each other and inspiring each other instead of that comparison and feeling like we come up short or we're not doing well enough or we're not good enough. And my book kind of came from that paradigm and that thinking that I wanted to create something first to answer my own question around what is beyond the narrative of our woundedness. And you know from being a healing practitioner that often in our own healing journeys and with our clients, it's like we stay in that old story of what happened to you and how much it hurt. And what does that remind you of? Which is a, such an important question when you're healing. And yet at some point, if you ask yourself, if you always go back to what this reminds you of, what hurt you, what what was like the core wounding without then starting to reach into, you know, what do, what do I want to believe about myself now that even though this happened, you know, who do I want to become? And for me, that's why I wrote this book is to like answer that question of who are we becoming through our traumas and wounds? Who do we want to be? And that that's a really happy journey and delightful process. So. Is that making sense? Oh, that makes beautiful sense. And I think it makes the kind of sense that once you hear it and understand it, it's so simply true. You can't ever forget it again, that we heal in the relationships together. And part of that is changing the woundedness story. Like someone asked me this morning, how does somebody heal? Like what is the actual healing process when something really horrible happens to you? And I said, well, you have to first identify as being victimized and acknowledge that that happened, but you can't get stuck there. Exactly. And I think that's a big part of what's happening kind of politically. And in a lot of the vibes in the United States, it's kind of glorifying this victim mentality of stay with the wound, stay with the wound. And it's such a fine line, I think, to really understand. You got to acknowledge the woundedness, but then you transcend it and you transform. Your book held so much of that energy for me because it's not just the words that you write, it's the energy behind what you write. Because your you. your energy was different in this book. And we, we had a conversation we about, talked about that. Yeah, like you were, it's direct in a way that how can I say this? The more that I meet people who are trained in the modality of trauma-informed, the more I see people being really delicate around survivors Yeah, in a way that I don't like. It feels very uncomfortable to me. Like someone's treating me like I'm delicate. I'm about to break or like my story makes me delicate because the truth is quite the opposite. Your story makes you strong. My story makes me strong. And all of our woundedness makes us strong. And that's the tone of your book. There's so much strength that comes through in what you write and what you share and how you direct us to release. 
that I, I have found that that has, before I met you, that was really missing in the therapy that I was seeking was I needed somebody in, in how lost I was from a whole lot of trauma to go, Hey, this is the way go here, go over here. Yes. And sometimes the, in that delicacy of, well, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Where do you want? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I've all I've been around is trauma. Please shine the light on a path shine that's the light outside my- of trauma. And that, that to me is what the Chiron effect is about. It's how to walk yourself out of that trauma wound place to a place where you feel strong and empowered. And self-forgiveness is such a big part of that. Can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. Absolutely, Nikki. And and I had the realization that there are just so many layers of unforgiveness that we harbor towards ourselves. The older we get, the more life we live. And regardless of age, just the experiences that you have, oftentimes we blame ourselves, we judge ourselves, we criticize ourselves and think that that's what makes us better. That's what gets us to where we want to be. And then we start to experience some relief. So we just kind of move on, not knowing it kind of laid down this layer of sediment almost. If you think about geology and how I know you're in Colorado, just the beautiful rocks and the sediment that gets packed and packed and compressed. And in nature leaves these beautiful, colorful layers. But within ourselves, those layers harden just like in ge- geology and it, it hardens our heart and it hardens our perception and our ability to see life as the gift that it is. And it's through excavating those layers, which my book walks you through progressively, starting with creating the container to change, really adopting a mindset, a growth mindset of being willing to see what you've lived differently, to consider alternative perspectives and self-forgiveness being the biggest lens that we're going to be creating together through my book is being willing to forgive yourself for the simplest of things. And I find almost on a daily basis, there's something I can forgive myself for. And that language might sound so serious, like, oh my gosh, what did you do that you have to forgive yourself today? But it's really, it's such a powerful transformational practice to as you lay in bed or when you get up in the morning, reflecting on the day that's passed and 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 really notice where you did well. And if there's anything you feel like you didn't do well at to say, you know what, I forgive myself for judging myself about that. Because the truth is you probably did better than you did a year ago or last month. Life constantly brings us the same types of opportunities, not to test us, but to show us our growth and show us even our vulnerabilities and how this might be an area of vulnerability for you, your core wound, be it in your self-esteem or or having been neglected or abandoned, that we all have these areas of vulnerability that we feel like we have to hide or edit and not let people know about. So we create these masks and personas that, you know, to be in public and even with friends thinking that we have to have it all, have all of our shit together, which you probably do on, on most fronts, but there are always these areas that we're working on. And I believe that life wants to show us our growth and progress rather than testing us. And by forgiving yourself, you start to tap in to that power and that energy to see how life is leading you instead of testing you. Because I get asked a lot, Nikki, like about life testing, even with friends. And I know some people believe that 
you can choose to believe whatever you want, but I see life as like encouraging me and guiding me and showing me that I've grown versus these tests that we either pass or fail. And I feel led to say that today for some reason. So I feel like somebody listening might need to hear that softening and perception. I, I think you're right about so much. There's so much I want to say. The layers you were talking about, about, about forgiveness, that might be one of the real surprises in my own recovery that I wasn't prepared for coming out of graduate school for counseling and, and didn't really realize because I think I was so angry for so long. And I think so many people are, and we don't teach people that that anger is their grief from their trauma very often because we don't give education on what that anger is, that that anger is our, it feels stronger. So it's like becomes a layer on top of vulnerability. And the more that we heal and realize that and move through that pain so that we transform that pain, we do get to deeper layers. So I've been surprised at how I've faced forgiving myself in unexpected ways all along the path. Like if I look back to my younger self at first, it was apologizing to myself for picking partners that were very much like my Mm. dysfunctional parents. Right. Uh, And then it was forgiving myself for being hard on myself, even about my healing path. And so many of my clients being highly sensitive, having that combination of high intelligence high emotional intelligence, high integrity, um, perfectionism. And I say all the time that perfectionism is really sneaky. There are things that we say to ourselves where we don't realize it's perfectionism driven Yeah, because it's so sneaky. And so like you're saying, every single day, there's a way that I can see that my perfectionism crept in and I was giving myself a little message or holding a wordless energy that what I'm doing isn't good enough or what I'm doing needs to hit some level that I'm not hitting, that even each day at at night, if I review my day, I can see, oh, I can soften there. I can forgive myself. I was doing as well as I could do. And that's okay. And that's a choice and a practice. And that's been surprising to me, even as a trained counselor, with a fancy degree and all that yes. stuff. It's been surprising to me just the human experience of the layers of that forgiveness and how the more I forgive myself, the easier it is for me to be forgiving as I walk through the world. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science Podcast. Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms.
Because for so long, I was pissed off at forgiving. I would be very, very angry when I, I would hear a spiritual teacher tell me from my pain, I needed to just forgive my parents or I needed to just, just forgive whoever. I thought, I don't want to give anymore. I've given enough. And that was my anger for a very long time. And, and I, I could not have, and I don't believe anybody else can just jump over and skip that phase. Right. It's, it's a real necessary phase. But I'm often hit with a sadness when I see people justifying staying in that phase versus understanding that that's a phase to move through and to let go of. You know, what you're saying is so important, Nikki, and you and I have talked about it a lot. And forgiveness is a progressive process. I write about that in my book, that it's rare unless it's a very minor infraction or or hurt experience where it's, okay, I can forgive you. And, And hopefully most of our experiences are that are that easy and one dimensional, but a lot of them aren't. And that's what makes forgiveness, especially of others, which is just the other side of yourself, the other side of that same coin. It makes it hard to forgive you and others because there's so much charge to it. There's so much energy. And I think so, uh, you know, so much around forgiveness that isn't true about what it is and what it isn't. And I know I've heard it say like forgiveness is for you to forgive others really frees you. And that never made a lot of sense to me. It just Mm -hmm. sounded kind of like rhetoric. Like I didn't have a personal connection to it until I started to really commit to, I want the love in my life to be greater than the hurt that I've experienced kind of as a personal journey. And I started to notice like memory come up around others that, you know, they have done things that aren't wrong, like bringing up the righteous anger that you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. that that's an appropriate response. Yet dwelling too long in that experience of of righteous anger just separates us. It separates us from love. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you choose to engage with that person is not important. It's how you choose to engage with yourself that sets the tone for all of your other relationships. And so I found that for me to do a deeper dive into maybe why I was in co-creation with someone that led to events that hurt me or where I was wounded, you know, how it really came back to the things that we experience that are traumatic aren't our fault. It does become our responsibility to heal. And so my book really, the departure point is our personal astrology, where Chiron is in our birth chart. And from there, using psychology, spirituality, and self-responsibility, I'm a big believer in personal responsibility to move us forward, that we then take responsibility for our healing. I didn't have the skills to navigate certain relationships or discern what was healthy for me, what wasn't. Because like you, my background and upbringing, there wasn't a lot of consistent love. I had an anxious attachment style and didn't really know how to navigate asking for what I wanted, having my needs met. And so kind of you know, didn't show up for myself in the ways I can today. So I had to learn. So I've been in therapy and studied and read and for years, the last over 20 years to make sure I reparented and reeducated myself. And my book is one of the ways that I offer combining and synthesizing so many different modalities and practitioners and sources. There's a resource section in the back of authors and teachers and podcasts like yours that I love and practitioners. So it's like, you can start there and then make it your own. It's beautiful. 
Thank and you. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You were talking earlier about the relationships. Forgiveness is such a relationship with the self that I didn't know how to have. And reading your book gave me clarity on the work I had already done to get there yeah. and then the work that I still need to do to hold myself with respect. Can you talk a little bit about the astrology aspect? Because that was another fun part for me because I, I might dabble in some astrology stuff, but it's not my passion. And so I got a big kick out of seeing how you were inspired to use astrology as your healing lens and how cool it was that that reading about it just resonated with me on every level, even though astrology isn't my big thing. Yeah. So yeah, how did that become your lens for your healing? I'd love to share about that because it was a total surprise for me. It really was venturing into territory that um, I'm not, I wasn't super familiar with. I'm a trained psychotherapist and Reiki practitioner and uh, so like really steeped in psychology and now spirituality and meditation. And so for me, when I, when I started to discover that Chiron, which I heard in meditation, like research Chiron, and I kind of pushed it aside because I remember Chiron is the wounded healer archetype that Carl Jung wrote about in his work about the collective unconscious. And I kept, I felt kind of prodded by the universe, like, come on, like, look more deeply. And then I discovered that Chiron um, was discovered in astronomy in 1977 as a minor planet slash comet. It has both designations in astronomy. And it's a, it's a, heavenly body, this comet, minor planet that has an elliptical orbit between the planets of Saturn and Uranus. And it was the first of the centaur class. And I was like, oh, what's that mean? And I discovered that Chiron was also a centaur in Greek mythology, the founding father of botany and healing. He taught Asclepius that we know the staff of medicine, the staff with the two snakes, Chiron gave that to Asclepius. And it's the the modern symbol of medicine. And so Chiron has kind of permeated history and mythology. And then I looked to the work of Freud, where he wrote about the repetition compulsion in 1914, Mm -hmm. which you referenced earlier when you talked about relational patterns, relationship patterns that we repeat in romance and friendships even in business, based upon the patterning that we learned from our primary caretakers. And often it's not a full picture. It's not an accurate picture of what health is, what healthy love is. And and, and so it's like we just keep reliving this patterning that I call in my book the Chiron effect, the orbit that we habituate familiar people, places, and things. That's our daily routine. And people, places, and things habituate us. So we orbit others and others orbit surround us. And so I kind of use that astronomy metaphor of Chiron, you know, uh, uh, orbiting Saturn and Uranus, you know, with how we live our lives. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Because people who listen to self-development podcasts, I mean, they're paying attention to their patterns. And there's so many patterns that, okay, we can see in the conscious mind, but there's so many patterns that are happening at the subconscious level too, that as we, and those are the layers you were talking about, that as we move through, we bring more of those subconscious patterns out into our consciousness where we can change them. They're malleable. 
and we can let them go. And as we do that, we're essentially, is this right for me to say, changing the shape of our orbit? Absolutely. We change our orbit. And that's exactly what astrological Chiron identifies and illuminates, which was so exciting to me is that Chiron. So if you go to any, almost any astrology site, I have one at nolatherapy.com forward slash Chiron, where you can enter your date of birth, your place of birth. And if you have it, your time of birth, that's not necessary Mm -hmm. to generate where Chiron is in your birth chart. So most people know when, when you say, what's your sign? Oh, I'm a Libra or a Pisces or a Mm -hmm. Gemini. I'm a cancer. You're a cancer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Chiron is in a different sign. So though your sun sign is cancer, your Chiron is in a different sign. And what that reveals is one of 12 areas of what I call core wounding, which is actually on a spectrum. And it's it's core wounding to vulnerability. That for some of you listening, this might just be an area of vulnerability because you've all already done a lot of healing work or you didn't experience a lot of trauma. So this might just be an area of vulnerability that's like, ouch, you know, I don't like looking at that in myself, but like I can live with it. Whereas for others, it's it's a deep core wound in your sense of your value and worth and the meaning you start to make about yourself that maybe you don't deserve love or you have to work really hard for it, performance-based love. And you might resort to people-pleasing to to source love instead of knowing that you can be your authentic self and even experience some conflict and still be loved. So when you know your Chiron placement, it really illuminates for you. And I talk about in my book, these areas, they're things like a core wounding by neglect, a core wounding and empathetic attunement where you grew up feeling really misunderstood and, and like people never quite got you. And to give a re- some real life examples that His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama and Rihanna, the singer, and um, those are the two coming to mind. Their, their core wounding is in Gemini and empathetic attunement. And look how they've totally mastered that. Both of them have huge platforms Rihanna as a singer, reaching people, his holiness as a leader of compassion in the world. So, you know, it's really about, and even Mother Teresa had her Chiron in Pisces, which speaks to a core wounding and one sense of self-care in the immaterial world. And Mother Teresa, because she was able to learn how to put on her oxygen mask first, so to speak, she was able to serve millions of others and still does not being here through the work and groundwork that she laid. So, does this make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And okay. my Chiron is in Taurus. Okay. So that speaks to a core wounding by neglect. Often for a, the Chiron and Taurus individual, they experience sexual abuse, coercion, or mm-hmm. some sort of trauma in that way to the body that caused them to have like a skewed relationship to their own bodies, which may manifest in eating disorders, being really hard on your body, you know, using sex as a way to source value and worth mm-hmm. instead of as a way to connect in love. And so- is this resonating? Oh yeah. For listeners to know how spot on this is. Yeah. And when I met you, Lisa, I was still so disconnected from my body that I really could not feel it. Hmm. Um, I think the word is proprioception. And that is our sense of sort of where our limbs are, where our body is in space so that we're not knocking into things. 
I basically didn't have that. That's how disconnected from my body, from my trauma I was. And that's, I can use this moment to say that that's not because something was wrong with my system. That was my, basically my system saying over time, Hey, the things that are happening to Nikki's body are really scary. Let's sort of check out from it. Yes. Like when our computers go into sleep mode, they're kind of, they're on, but they're off. Yes. So that's how I lived through most of my childhood. If not every single moment with my body being completely activated, even when things were good, because that's kind of the, the sneaky way that trauma works because I had so much childhood trauma that when things were good, my system didn't relax. It held on for where's the next thing coming? When's the next shoe going to drop? Exactly. And so that essentially means that my body didn't know what calm felt like, didn't know what safe felt like. So I would knock into walls. I would go head to walk through a doorway and I'd just plow into the doorway. I was falling down stairs at a ridiculous pace when I first met you. And the more that I've integrated healing, it's been about healing this relationship with my body and sort of coming back to self. Yes. And learning to have such a healthy relationship with your body that you do today and that others can have who are listening. And you mentioned, Nikki, just now the central nervous system. And I know a lot of your work deals with that, helping Mm -hmm. people understand their central nervous system. And it ties into our conversation about about forgiveness and that righteous anger that we were Mm -hmm. speaking about earlier, that when we're in a place of of anger, of resentment, of really focused on on the problem versus aligning with the solution, it, it causes reactions in our central nervous system. There's endorphins being released and there are chemicals released that tell our body, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. And when we're in fight, flight, or freeze, we're not activating our higher consciousness, our problem-solving abilities. Mm-hmm. It's more about survival that I've heard mm-hmm. you talk about in a, in a lot of your shows. And we're, when we're just in survival mode, we're not access, accessing our higher functioning that is really when we're living in peace and abundance and living where we feel happiness mm-hmm. is, you know, we're just reacting, like you said, to, to when's the next shoe going to drop and that hyper alertness and hyper vigilance. And in my book, it's it's really about teaching you to, to learn to reprogram your central nervous system. And I speak to meditation as one of the best tools to recalibrate and rewire our brains, especially the traumatized brain to learn that you can live in peace. And the peace starts from creating it in your own body by maybe taking some time out each day to meditate or read or go on a walk, you know, do some things that are soothing. Our ability to self-soothe is one of the greatest skills we can develop in life to self-soothe versus disconnect through drugs and alcohol, sex, Compulsive shopping, gambling, all of those things. Or obsessive, obsessive overthinking. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And so just to kind of tie things together from the beginning of our conversation and referencing the work that you're doing, you know, to really, I want readers to learn to self-soothe, to self-love, to self-forgive. And it's from that place you give from your overflow to be able to extend that to others around you. It's such important work. You have really put a powerful piece of work into the atmosphere. 
I'm Thank grateful you. to be able to recommend it to listeners and to my clients. How has it been to promote a book through a pandemic? You know, it's actually been really awesome. I didn't want that to be an obstacle. My book was released in November of 2020, less just like I think four months ago. And at first I thought, oh my gosh, my book is being released during an election. My book is being released during a pandemic. All the things when I Googled how to become a successful author that like you might not want to happen. But then I thought, you know what, universe, you're so much bigger than the pandemic and the election. And I trust in divine timing of my book. And it's actually been such a good time for people to have this tool during the pandemic to have, you know, some more time to dedicate to reading and self-soothing became kind of the biggest thing of the past year. What do we do in the absence of our go-to things and activities like learning to be with oneself in, in some more quietness and calm without distraction. So it's been really great to offer this to people. Um, and during the pandemic, before my book was released, I would just read chapters on Instagram, on YouTube, and put it on my social media to give people like some tools. And I found that that soothed me, you know, in the absence of having a lot of stuff to do, reading my book to you, like was so helpful in my own self-soothing development. That's part of what I love about you and what I've always been able to trust is that you do your own work. You use your own work. And that, that really comes through. I think anybody that knows you or meets you or works with you can feel your authenticity and your genuineness. Thank you. That's where our power comes from. You're welcome. Our power comes from our authenticity and from our stories. Don't hide your story. Share it. Take the risk to be vulnerable and share your story because then you're not having to expend energy to hide and be someone else or people please or try to fit in. You know what? Just be who you are and you will attract like-minded, like-hearted individuals individuals over time. And it's okay. I mean, I've cried myself to sleep a lot in my life going through the healing I've needed to do, but it's always a new day and life has gotten better and better. And and it will for you also, if you trust your own journey and process. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with my audience and with me all these years. I love you so much. I love you too, Nikki. Thank you for sharing me with your beautiful audience. Oh, you're so very welcome. Is there anything else that you want to say or share or let our listeners know where they can find your book? Sure. Well, I'd love to let your listeners know if they want to work with me in a therapy session, intuitive therapy, which just means I use my intuition. We all have it. You have it. I'd love to help you develop that ability within yourself more that I'd love to offer your listeners half off a session if they just email or text or, you know, schedule and mention they heard me on Emotional Badass or mention your name. I'd love to give that to your community. That's awesome. Do you hear that, listeners? You can find Lisa at nolatherapy.com, N-O-L-A. Lisa uh, originally is from New Orleans, like me, and she goes between New Orleans and Los Angeles. So her website is nolatherapy.com, and I highly recommend taking her up on that offer of half price. That's a very, very sweet deal for my listeners. Thank you, madam. You're welcome. And just... My book is everywhere. It's it's at walmart.com, which I was surprised to see. It's in the Barnes & Noble stores, the brick and mortars, booksamillion.com, 
Amazon.com through my publisher, Inner Traditions. You can Google Lisa Tahir or The Chiron Effect, and it'll come up. And I'd love for you to have my book. And thank you for having me on to talk about this, Nikki. I love you so much. You're so welcome. I love you too. You've just listened to me interviewing my amazing spiritual mama and mentor, Lisa Tahir. Things about Lisa I didn't squeeze into the intro is that she is a glass artist who's patented a special device for people in wheelchairs to be able to work with glass. She practices and provides Reiki, EMDR, and she has completed multiple half marathons. I have even known this woman to take trapeze classes (laughs) like she was going to join the circus. She is a physical beast and you can see her work out on her Instagram, NOLA Therapy, You can listen to her weekly show, All Things Therapy. And just like she offered during the show, reach out to her if you'd like to connect with her. She gave a very generous offer. All you have to do is reach out, connect to her through her website or through social media. Let her know that you heard her here on Emotional Badass or mention my name. And she's going to give you a session for half of her rate. As always, I am full of gratitude to all of you. Some of you out there listening have been along on this journey with me for a very long time. Some of you have been with me since before I started this show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your openness, your willingness to look inside, and the brave work that you do on the planet every day, growing, expanding, facing hard truths, and bringing more light into your own world and to the lives that you touch. Thank you to those of you who are subscribed to our Patreon. Thank you for sharing the show, being our marketing team, and for being out there listening. If you'd like to support Lisa now by ordering her book, you can find it. It's called The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. Lisa is an emotional badass, and together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I'll see you right here next time. Light and love. Bye-bye. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment.